Tell me, when did you get this idea? What's the business? And what's your plans with it? I used to have a hot tub rental business uh, towards the back end of lockdown. It was going great. And then energy prices started rising. No one wanted to hire a hot tub. Killed that business. And then you have to adapt, right? Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. So then I pivoted. I already had a van, so I started doing, <laughs> just driving my van around, courier driving, pretty boring. Long trips up to Scotland, I had the opportunity to sort of brainstorm. And uh, this was all the same sort of time. ChatGPT came out, so listening to podcasts, getting ideas. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the idea came for for uh, my business, Lalab, which is AI-powered story generation for children. And then on the drives, just thinking about what was uh, what to do. And then about a month ago, I quit my job to go full in. And here we are. I love it. Quit my job and go all in, because you believe in your idea. Exactly, right? yeah. That's the thing. So tell me, because you're a pretty young guy, as from what I can tell, you have kids, or what's the idea behind, like, you know, kids? <laughs> Behind kids. So yeah, I'm a very young guy. Not kids yet. I'm definitely not rich enough for them. <laughs> but that's the uh, the idea is at the moment I'm a that's my biggest my biggest advantage over the competition. Very low overheads. I can basically just work all the time and uh minimal risks. Yeah. So I still live with my dad, so if everything goes to shit then No problem. No problem, yeah, I've got a backup. So Damn. That's why I'm lucky about uh sort of quitting my job. Because you can do it. Like, yeah. there's no, absolutely no... Yeah, that's a very good point, actually, mm. because I think that's the biggest struggle for people, like, who already have families, that there's a big risk. Exactly, yeah. Obviously, like, they can lose the house or whatever. Mm. Living, with your, living with your parents is sometimes very good, isn't it? It is, it is yeah. <laughs> as, long as, as long as I can, I'm going to stay there. <laughs> All I have to pay for is my food, and then uh, <laughs> I'm good to go. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Tell me exactly how the app works, right? The right. idea and now how it works. So the basic idea is I want to give customization of stories in the hands of parents and children. And in less than a minute, you can have your creation uh, available to read. Mm -hmm. So basically, you choose a bunch of themes. You can choose robots, monsters, medieval, which no one has made a book of before. You combine that with a topic such as love, friendship, kindness. Choose a bunch of characters, choose some scenes, and then 30 seconds later you've got a story that mixes all them together and has the underlined theme that you've chosen to sort of educate your child on that um, that concept. So we're using technology, the same technology at the moment as ChatGPT, mm -hmm. but future plans are in place to sort of get custom models that are trained specifically for story generation where our current models you can ask it absolutely anything and it'll tell you the answer which is not needed right so mm -hmm. that's where the future goes you've got these models that can do everything but now you want to make them smaller make them leaner so you don't you can make it more efficient basically in the app yeah it makes sense so there's educational element right. in it right that which is very important when yeah. it comes to kids yeah, absolutely. So you have the sort of the overall educational element of teaching friendship, kindness, perseverance, that sort of thing. You can also tailor the words in the story based on scientific research that repetition improves uh, recall for a child. So for example, this week you might want to teach a child adjectives. So mm -hmm. the word ginormous, they might not have heard before, but in every story they read, 
there's different uses of the word ginormous mix and match that with the word big that they may have heard mm-hmm. and then you can sort of increase their word recall literacy skills just by reading the story the main idea is the child has chosen the story so at that point it's not a chore of reading it's more fun and that they get the choice yeah because they it's their exactly, choice yeah, it's their imagination Mm, I like it. I see the potential, obviously. Um, I hope other people can as well. Um, so, it sounds great, right? Many people could argue, how about the physical books? Mm. How about people making the illustrations, the actual authors and illustrators? And doesn't it take away that personal touch when you have the book and that kid can hold the book? Absolutely. I don't think, and I'm not for removing books i love books i love reading physical books i don't even use an ebook myself but the uptake in kids using ebooks is astonishing there are kids are using ipads kids are using phones yeah. and i think in an ideal world you wouldn't use a phone until you're 18 and you can read books <laughs> and everything and everything's great but unfortunately we don't live in this ideal world nope. kids as young as babies you see on the bus just looking at phone watching videos So I'm hoping we can actually improve our current situation and get kids away from TikTok and YouTube, these things that are more more destructive, I suppose, than actually reading. Bring it back to sort of engaging the brain more than mindless scrolling, as I like to say. <laughs> yeah. And because it's it's an app, right? right? So this way you're fully in control of what is going to be generated yeah so you can make sure it there, there's no inappropriate content exactly yeah so i would like to think that most parents keep an eye on their children's sort of online use but yeah, unfortunately but no. kids are smart so they're going to get around it you've got the whole youtube millions of hours of footage there's going to be stuff there that you don't really want whereas in my app the the content is generated specifically for children so it's never going to have this type of um malicious content or mm-hmm. anything harmful, anything inappropriate for children. There's also going to be a feature for parents to specifically decide what concepts they want to be in the story. So obviously everyone has a variety of different opinions on what should be taught. You've got religious aspects, you've got all different types yep. of political opinions. And it's I think it's up to the parent to decide what their what their child is taught. So you can add in the filters to decide what um what ideologies basically are are teaching to your kid. Okay. That's yeah, that's a very good point because the parents cannot I mean, once the story is generated they can go over it mm. and like if they are control freaks like, oh okay, this is fine, you can read it. Yeah. But I don't I cannot imagine they are going to do that because like the kid will take it, generate yeah. a story and read it. So I think there will be the filters will be good for the parents to be like, Okay, um, I'm okay with this and this and this. So they don't have to like pro- proofread. And with the physical book, it's easy, right? You just look at it and be like, okay, yeah, read it. Absolutely. So the thing with this, with AI in general, you can sort of, these sort of things improve as you use. And uh, so AI has been around for a lot longer than ChatGPT, right? Yeah. And as you like, for a YouTube example, you watch YouTube videos and then your algorithm learns what you like and shows you the right stuff. Yeah. So for example, you're reading your child a book and you think actually this is a bit bit inappropriate. I don't like how this is going. You can sort of leave leave feedback just in natural language. You can say, I didn't like how this happened or this happened. The algorithm will learn and then you're not going to see that sort of thing in the future. 
That's good. I mean, smart, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Now, take me to the process of having your idea driving in Scotland or whatever. Yeah. Right? This is good thinking when you are, like, usually alone and, like, there's nowhere around, nothing. And then you have these best ideas. Okay. So you make a decision. Okay, I'm going to do this. What are the steps? Good question. So I think the steps are you have to sort of be playing with this technology to sort of know what can be done and what can't be done. And then you can sort of get the idea of, yeah, this is possible, this is possible. And then you sort of look into whether or not anyone actually wants it. And you think, okay, kids yep. are using, kids are reading books. Obviously, parents do read to their children. They are using iPads. So there's no immediate and obvious uh, brick walls in the way of doing this. And then you think, what's the simplest application I can do for this? So mm -hmm. I just went on ChatGPT and said, write me a story. And I was like, actually, you know what? This is a pretty good story. And then I used a program called Midjourney, which yeah. is a image generation program that uses Discord. And I said, uh, so I've got a story. I said, page one, okay, you've got a, a bear talking to a frog in the forest draw me a picture of a bear talking to a frog in the forest. <laughs> and lo and behold, you have a picture. <laughs> it's basically exactly what I just uh, described to it. And I thought, okay, so if I can do this, I just have to build the, the software that does what I just did and speak to ChatGPT effectively, speak to Mint Journey, put it all together in a simple to use application and then sort of expand from there. And you think, okay, what's the simplest version of this application? It's basically just press the topics that you want mm -hmm. in, the, in the story and then the story's generated, the images are generated and then here we are, that's about the about the stage right now is 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 that, so input themes, output story and then whilst I've been doing this, obviously I speak to people, everyone comes up with many, many ideas. You've got the education side that you can go down, you've got extreme customization, you can customize characters specifically, you could take pictures of your child, yourself, to put them in the story as <laughs> anime characters or oh, cartoon characters. So you actually cu hilarious. completely customize the story, right? Oh and looking into the future, the good thing about this type of business is, so if I did nothing right now and never improved my own app, it would get better based on the work of other people improving their technologies. So as mm -hmm. image generation technology in general gets better, all I have to do is change which image uh, image platform I use and my images get better. The same way for the text content. And then I don't want to say three months time, we're going to have text to video that is, <laughs> it's already pretty good, right? But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in three months time, it's going to be scarily good. Yeah. And I can just add in images, um, videos, GIFs, animations, which is from no work of myself, is just going to improve my own app, which I think is a very good point. And this is exactly what um, we should say it's a positive not exactly. a negative because right now anyone with a great idea can do this yeah you don't need huge budget you don't need to hire illustrators writers etc etc and you just need the idea and the right information how to make it happen absolutely so i've i have no formal education on making apps i've never never been to uni i studied computer science at school but I learned most of the things from YouTube videos, free YouTube videos at that, and I've made an app so anyone can do it really, like, <laughs> I'm proof. <laughs> and you don't need um, £35,000 in debt for your Absolutely university. Not. Absolutely not. 
Which is mad. Yeah, absolutely. I have friends that are at uni studying computer science and uh, sort of every day I sort of think it's, it's, it's a good thing I didn't go. <laughs> I, controversial opinion yeah, but uh, like, no I mean it's the truth like I believe so. of course if you want to become a doctor absolutely I, what, my the, doctor is going to have a degree <laughs> <right>? <laughs> the pilot yeah you know, exactly obviously. but yeah all these like marketing and um, computer science I don't know about that you know maybe we should focus on learning ourselves and exactly. getting the right information learning by doing yeah learning exactly practice right mm. as well uh, so what would you say because you mentioned YouTube as well yeah. so like do you have any um, resource or it's just like YouTube and Google and that's all we need or is there any specific like websites or books or anything like that that you go for so I'll give you the the rundown of what, what I do when I when I have a new technology I need to learn mm -hmm. basically so with now with chat GPT I say use it to your advantage. You can use it as such a as such a valuable tool. So say for example, you need to add a database to your app. Going into this, I've never worked with databases before. So I just type in uh, chat GPT, how will I get users to be authenticated into my app? It says you need a backend database. So, okay, go on to Google, what's a backend database? <laughs> and it describes, describes to me what a backend database is. Okay, okay. Then I go to YouTube and I try and find a video of someone uh, sort of explaining the best backend databases to use. Found one that's called um, Fireship. Is it Fire, Fire? I think it's Fireship by Google. Acquired by Google. Absolutely, so simple to use. Watch a YouTube video tutorial how to use that. Try and uh, sort of get it working in my own app. It starts working. All of a sudden, we've got user into <laughs> user authentication into my app. I love this. And I think the the great thing about that is. I've learned just the, just what I needed to learn mm -hmm. to get that to work, where I didn't have to learn all the fancy words, all the technology, all the definitions. I'm not going to be able to explain to you what how it works, why it works, but I can show you how to use it in that specific case, and I can show you how to how to go about researching researching the technology to apply it to your specific case. I think that's the skill you've really got to learn mm -hmm. is applying the technology to your specific use case. And that's also the difference because when you go to university mm. or any kind of um, training or like course, which is very like throughout the months, let's say, I'm pretty sure you learn a lot of stuff that you don't need, mm. uh, at least not right now. And then you're kind of overwhelmed. So yeah. if you, your approach is just literally like, you're going to learn what you need right now mm. and then apply it. And then if you need something else, you're going to learn something else. So you're not wasting time. Exactly, yeah. That's amazing. On the other hand, you could say, if you're if you're going for a job, you need to have the more broad understanding yep. because you don't know what you're gonna do. But when you're building your own project, building your own business, I think that's much less important because time is money, right? And you need to sort of balance it with uh, how much you're learning, how much you're doing. But I'll give you an example. The current app I have is, uh, version three of mm -hmm. completely restarting because throughout the learning process, I start building the app and I'm like, actually, I've done it the complete wrong way. I didn't know that until now, <laughs> got to restart and then do it again, restart. And then luckily it never got too big to where it was a problem. And when I say restart, I mean, sort of copy and pasting from the old project into the new project, just sort of changing how the sort of, it's called the app architecture is, is mm -hmm. laid up to be a more sustainable 
sustainable uh, model for the f- for like future proofing. But that's just something you learn as you go along, I think. Yeah, it's. Um, I think this is the way to go. Obviously, some people want to have a job, right? Yeah. Uh, me and you, I think we don't, <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay as well. So mm. either way, but um, for even for people who are employed, this is good, right? Like this is a good way to learn because many people are worried they're going to lose their jobs because mm. of AI. So what would be the solution like to learn how to use AI to their advantage? Absolutely. Or like, because they are especially like, for example, older generation might mm. be like a little bit like, oh my God, this is too much for me. So yeah, what, what, what would you say? Like, what what should they do? Because they yeah. are not worried like, oh my mm. God, I'm gonna, like graphic designer. They should design your book, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I speak to a lot of graphic designers, artists, and they're anti-AI. They think yes. I don't want anything to do with it. And I'm just like that's your problem. You're going to lose a job because you don't want to adapt. You need to learn how to use it to increase your workflow. If you can use a a software like Midjourney to sort of prototype quicker, get some prototypes out to your customers, out to your clients, and uh, actually get them their final product quicker, then you're going to just go above everyone else that isn't using AI. Mm -hmm. That's why you you need to be in the space. You need to be researching, learning about all different applications of AI so you cannot like get left behind basically so tell me because we talked about it before the filming um, filming full HD and 4k so it literally what you just said like you need to know the trends we need to know what's you know what's new in AI Mm. so tell me like the the mind-blowing AI tools that you found I don't think we have enough time to go through all of them (laughs) But so let's start with the video. With the video, right? So uh, I'll give you the backstory. I was yeah. watching a, a video the other day of some astronauts on the, the International Space Station doing a spacewalk. Beautiful video. You see the Earth in beautiful high definition. I'm thinking this must be 4K. Some high-tech NASA camera was strapped to them or something. And then reading the description afterwards, and it says, bonus fact, this was actually a terrible grainy footage from, uh, from, a Go- from an old GoPro, and it's been upscaled with AI to look like 4K. There's been videos out for quite a while from, you might have seen them on YouTube, uh, like 1930s New York colorized mm-hmm, with sound. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they obviously didn't have cameras like that back then, they were terrible cameras, but using AI, you can fill in the blanks and- Remaster and it. Remaster it. Oh my God. So my computer science teacher used to always, uh, used to always say, image upscaling in like spy movies where they say enhance image mm-hmm. so that's fake you can't do that it's, i've been told this <laughs> as well yeah. like yeah it's fake fake hollywood just making it seem like it's real it's real <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> two years later they made it real yeah but i've been yeah i've been told this um a lot of times mm. like there's not possible there's no way um this is like yeah but yeah it's and it's quick as well you've got things called uh GAN networks, which is general adverse, gen- actually, I don't, I'm not confident in the, uh, <laughs> in the word, but exactly, this goes back to my point, you don't need to know how, what it stands for, I know yeah, what exactly. it does, right? it um, basically upscales quickly, so you could just take a picture, a terrible picture, and then send it to someone in 8K, and then just while you're sending it, it would have been upscaled, this new technology, very impressive. I'm speechless, I don't know how to process that, but it's amazing, like, 
I need to try this. Is it free or is it paid? So a lot of these technologies are research papers. So there's a platform called Hugin Face, mm -hmm. which is has loads of open source or different uh, licensed models where you can go on there and use their models and uh, host it using their hardware. So a lot of these models aren't going to work on your average home computer. You need okay. big, expensive GPUs, graphics cards to uh, actually run them. But yeah, platforms like Hugging Face, they have free options for you to go in and try these different different algorithms. And uh, you can also upgrade to speed it up on their platform as well. It's, it's pretty cheap. And uh, yeah. So uh, another question would be from a business perspective, right? Um, how many people or agencies right now, in your case, um, did you hire or if any, or you just literally do everything yourself with the AI? So for example, marketing strategy, how to promote um, this platform, how to launch it. Is it something that you're considering like hiring someone, some consultant, or you're going with AI, like give me the best strategies or social media, et cetera, et cetera? Mm. So yeah, it's a good point. So I have a business is sort of my main interest. I've done a lot of research into marketing, this sort of thing. I used to, for my hot tub business, had to do Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. So I think going forward, I would probably look for, knowing what I know, I would look for a marketing agency that specializes in AI because I know they're going to be able to offer more for the same price because they're effectively cheating using AI. <laughs> and I'm happy to cheat if it gets me more for less or the same for cheaper. Yeah. So I think going into the future, if, you're, if your business, if you've got a marketing agency, anything like this, if you're not using AI, it's just going to become irrelevant. Imagine being a, a marketing agency that does only leaflets and not Facebook ads nowadays. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. So... You are going to, okay, going forward, you want to hire a marketing agency. Yeah. So is there a, because you don't want to spend your time doing that or what's the reason? Because you could possibly do it yourself. Mm. Right, it's, it's basically time. I think, I can't remember who said this, I think many people have said this, as a business owner, you need to leverage your time to do the most, the highest skilled thing you can do in your business. So for example, for me, the, if I was going to outsource everything, the most expensive employee I would have to get would be an artificial intelligence, machine learning engineer. So yeah. that's what I would be focusing on, where the marketing guy is not going to cost as much. So I'll outsource him and buy my own time back. I think the way I sort of look at it is, say, for example, I'm earning £50 an hour. It makes sense for me to pay someone £40 an hour to do something that yeah. You get me? And uh, also they're probably going to do it much quicker and efficient because they're experts at it. Yeah, exactly. Are you thinking about starting another business if this goes well? So are you one of those entrepreneurs that you want to have like, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five businesses or what's your future plan? So I would say the complete opposite. I would start another business if this goes wrong. So on that point, <laughs> what I'm learning from this, from this specific business, I'm fully aware this might not work. Mm -hmm. And I'm not attached personally to this idea. It's just my first idea. That's very good. And if this goes wrong, and I have so much knowledge about AI and the whole the whole ecosystem, I could just pivot, go on to something else. And I think a lot of people that I follow, sort of business mentors online, they say focus on one thing. Like the amount I don't have time to start other businesses right now. I'm literally mm -hmm. fully onto this one thing. 
And I think for me, that sort of works, works well. I want to fully immerse. It's part of the reason I quit my job. I want to be completely immersed into this one specific business. Take that to its natural end. Maybe riches and uh, fame, or <laughs> it may fail and uh, crash and burn, which is also no problem. I'll just go on to the next thing. I think it's important to not let that stop you. I love what you said about not being attached mm. to it. And I think this is one of the failure points or like the weak points where you can go down when you attach yourself to mm. the project or business too much and you don't want to admit like for example that it's failing right and then you have to like quickly move on but you don't so you kind of like the ship is going down and yeah. you're going down with it rather than jumping ship onto a better ship <laughs> <laughs> exactly because a lot of times it's like oh this is my baby but mm. like just start another exactly Right, so yeah, is it, it does it come natural to you, or did you like? Because a lot of people are really because they spend maybe it's because they spent months or years mm. developing it, right? Because there was no AI before. Yeah, that, that's why they get attached. Exactly. So this is one thing I've learned from my research. Mentors have told me this as well, is to not get attached to your business. So that's why you need to to think of the most basic form of your idea, mm-hmm. and get that to market as quickly as possible and see if people want it. And if it turns out, which may be the case, your idea is terrible and no one wants it, it's better to know after spending a month bodging together a, a bad um, prototype than it is thinking you've got a great idea, spend a year, loads of money, to then find out that no one wants it. <laughs> it makes sense to find, find yeah. it out as soon as possible. And then you've got all that 11 months to try other ideas. And hopefully in the middle of a month, you'll find a thing that that works for you. Did you do any market research or did you do the prototype and then test it? So sort of both at the same time. So I I didn't know the prototype would work when I started. So I did a bit of market research into sort of the general market. The ebook market is a growing market. Yep. All of these things that um, sort of said to me, yeah, this is probably worth trying. So then I was thinking, okay, so I've got this sort of half business plan put together. Seems like it's going all right. But none of this matters if I can't get the prototype working. So then I switched onto the prototype. So mm-hmm. I think it's you want to do some sort of market research to to know that the market you're going into has got enough money in it. There's enough room for you to be there. But then get your prototype as quickly as possible so you can test to see if people want it. If people want your prototype, then you can go back sort of formulate the full business plan. But your business plan has to be so adaptable, right? You can't oh, you yeah. can't basically plan a whole business from day one without knowing what your customer wants. I think that's the main point is just you, someone someone said to me, there's uh, three things, right? There's what you think the customer wants, there's what the customer wants, and there's what, no, there's what, there's what you think you want, no. There's what you think the customer wants, there's what the customer thinks they want, and then there's what the customer actually yeah, wants. Yeah. And which is, that's what you've got to figure out. And you can't just guess that, you've got to, you've got to practice, you've got to make assumptions about the business, you've got to test them. So you can actually get data. Being a data-driven business is, is the way to succeed in this. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, this is one of the biggest things that you think like people want it, people mm. will like it, but not always. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's good to do like a market research. What would be the pricing? Like a prox, of course. I don't expect you to actually have like the, yeah. <laughs> the price right now. It's like, oh yeah, but like the range or like, yeah, the budget. I think I can give you an idea is 
in most of these things, you've, you can either go high ticket or you want a few people to pay a lot mm-hmm. of money or you want a lot of people to pay a little bit of money. And I'm thinking with potentially with all sort of AI businesses in general, you want to go, or any, any sort of business you could apply this to, you want to go for volume. The more people you have using your product, the more feedback you get, the which you can mm-hmm. use personally to sort of assess where to, to tailor the product. But with AI businesses, you can use it specifically to feed back into the AI, to teach the AI, to improve your backend systems. So the more people you have using it, the better your product gets, which means the more people use it, which means the better your product gets, and then hopefully it sort of spirals. But you can also have different tiers of subscription, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, VIP or like, you know, the highest paid. Yeah, absolutely. So you can have- They get extra features or whatever, Mm. like. Yeah, that's a, yeah, definitely. (laughs) You've got most of these AI businesses operate on a sort of credit system where you pay, say, £20 a month for a thousand credits, and then mm-hmm. a story costs you 10 credits, and then a longer story costs you 20 credits. Because mm-hmm. at the moment, or I guess in general, a page that's 10, a book that's 10 pages long costs half as much as a book that's 20 pages long because you've got to generate the text per word, cost per word and per image is how you're paying. Mm-hmm. So the higher tiers get access to longer stories or higher definition images, that sort of thing. So how far can you plan, you think? You know, you cannot have like the, I wouldn't think you can have like a year plan, year ahead. Like, is it month plan? <laughs> That's a good question, because if you look back a year, none of this exactly. none of this existed <laughs> it's all come out of nowhere so like I mentioned before that I can I could when the video the text to video the technology sort of becomes commercially viable mm-hmm. I can implement that so you got you got to kind of foresee where it's going you can say text to video might be coming as a thing mm-hmm. text to 3d animations is already sort of around this sort of stuff is yeah. is happening so I think it's on definitely on the monthly scale, but you can't, again, it's like, it's impossible for me to guess. If I could guess, I'd be currently working on that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, and this is a question that I always kind of think about as well. So tell me me your opinion on it. So for example, for artists, Mm. because we also talked about like, especially creatives are very worried about their jobs and like, right. So yeah. um, Yeah. Um, But I think, and this is my opinion that the artists, so the actual artworks Mm. or video production or sound mixing, like if you're really, really good at it Mm. and you have your signature in it, this will become basically more valuable, right? Because it's not going to be such a mass Mm. produce. So you have like AI that can do it for you. And then you can have like the artist that has the name, the brand, Mm. their signature. So you can go for them just to have this like extra unique selling point because this will become unique when somebody mm. actually designs something or, ra- or or draws something. Yeah. So at the moment, there's it's, it's like a legal gray area where you can say to AI, draw me a picture in the style of Vincent van Gogh. In that case, it's not really a problem because <laughs> he's long dead. But yeah. a modern artist, 
invest all this time and energy into their specific style and then you can just come along and rip them off basically and it's like where do they where do you stand on that yeah, where, exactly. where where can you uh draw the line which is which is why your point is a valid point in the future and human curated creativity is going to be is going to be more valuable where anyone can go and create amazing portraits using ai Mm -hmm. but it's the skill of a human that can do that which gives it the value that's how, i think that's how it would go as well good good so people just have to become better at it yeah. you know or more <laughs> unique or upskill um somehow mm. so when you look at the because you mentioned marketing agencies that use ai right because yeah. you want you'd rather go with them mm. um so they will do it quicker and better let's say um so yeah, the workflow will have to change because if you imagine you'll be like, okay, I want this and that and it's going to be generated in a very short time. Mm -hmm. um, they will need more workload, I guess, or more clients yeah. to survive, right? So this possibly will or maybe wipe out some of the agencies as well mm -hmm. if they are not good at marketing to get more clients and more workload. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a little difficult, but you know where I'm yeah. going. Like, yeah, less people can do the same amount of work. Yeah, exactly. Which is where the the job problem comes in. Yeah. Technically, it's not going to come and take your job. It's going to make everyone else better. So it's going to be harder for you to compete, especially if you're not using AI. Yeah. Which is why that's going to come into effect. I have a friend I won't name because uh, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Of but course. she she has a a marketing agency, and I had to write up something for for a client and used chat GPT mm -hmm. and sort of send that in. She's saying, oh, I feel so guilty. It took me 10 seconds where it yeah. normally would take me a couple hours, but I think that's where it's going. And if you don't do that, so in, in the couple hours that she didn't spend on this one, one client, she's helped five others. Therefore, yeah. it seems that she's paying less people, less overheads for more, more clients, it, more profit. It seems like a no brainer. Exactly. I love it. And yeah, for example, again, going back a little bit is, is this going to be a new technology? So physical books, do you remember, oh, you will not remember, but <laughs> the time when, I mean, I'm speaking like I'm old, but anyway, the time when audiobooks first mm. time came in, there was a huge worry from people who read uh, books, like the physical books mm. and like book lovers they were like horrified that physical books will disappear and it's it's just gonna never gonna happen never but there Look was a vinyl right yeah everyone still has vinyl i think yeah. it's becoming more popular i think uh see on the tv show the other day that there's a 20-year high sale in cassette tapes <laughs> <laughs> like these things just they are coming back yeah it's always coming yeah. back and it's and this is right now vinyls are even more valuable than they were before mm. so again this is yeah comes back to the point that i was making that your skill will become more valuable because it's going to be rare mm. so these days if you have old original vinyl it's rare so you can sell it for so much money you know mm. um yeah let's close it off with something i don't know what because you mentioned ai tools anything you want to add when it comes to AI or something mind-blowing you've seen recently? 
I or think, how do you yeah go on yeah so I think the uh, most mind blowing thing I've seen recently is the new chat GPT plugins mm-hmm. tell so me so basically this is an extension this is sort of the app store of chat GPT where you can use all sorts of different plugins to improve the the use of ChatGPT. So at the moment, you input text and you get text output. That's mm-hmm. all it can do. Well, all it can do. It's obviously, it was amazing, revolutionized almost everything. Now, we there there are plugins which take it take advantage of this. What's called a multi multi modal model, which GPT four, which is the the current sort of state of the art large language model, uses to to operate so multi multi-modal refers to images and text and other data sources being used so with the new plugins there's a code interpreter plugin where you can say given this data in a csv file or an excel document i want you to read through all the data and then export the data in a 3d graph and it's just cut out so many other steps that you would need it's hard for me to explain because it's so mind-blowing. I can't even wrap my own head around yeah. it. No one can, I don't think. The applications of this are just way beyond current GPT, uh, chat GPT. And you think in the future, maybe chat GPT will just do everything. You want like anything you want to create. If you have a video to edit, you just input all the raw data and say, make the mm-hmm. best video. And then all of a sudden you've got a, a fully edited, fully upscaled and with effects, with links, everything, description yeah. for the YouTube video. I am very aware of that. That's mm. why like I'm spreading myself everywhere because I cannot just be like a video editor. Like, mm. no, like there are so many plugins that I can just yeah. click the button and half of my video is edited, right? Like, um, yeah, that's mind blowing. But also create is the keyword mm. because we need to be, because we are creative, mm. but we kind of, when we are kids, we're a bit more creative than when we grow up and everybody is creative. That's what I believe, but they just don't discover it that much. And with AI, you have to be creative. Mm. Otherwise you cannot really use it because you're going to generate something average. Mm. So you have to have a creative approach. There's definitely a skill for interacting with AI. And I think it's, uh, it's going to sort of turn into the, the situation. You've got your grandparents using their phones like this and they can't interact quickly, but you've got your five-year-old kid that's doing this with multiple screens at the same time. Exactly. And if you don't practice talking to AI, then your interface with the AI is going to be a lot slower, mm-hmm. which is um, sort of ties into the point of cyborgs. We're already cyborgs. It's just the interface between the entire internet at the moment is how quickly I can type and how quickly I can read. And if I, if you can improve the interface, you get more efficient cyborgs. You bring that into brain chips, implants, and then you've got the whole internet <laughs> at just, the, just any thought. But yeah, the, it's the interface, I think, that you've got to keep on top of and how to interact efficiently. Yeah. And the last question would be, do, for example, your parents or grandparents understand what you do? And <laughs> how do you explain it to them? <laughs> That's a good question. I think I think my dad sort of keeps up with technology. He's an early adopter of iPhones, this sort of thing. And even he's struggling sort of with, with, with how quickly it's going. And if you... I have friends even that are my age that aren't 
day to day keeping up with the, with the times and they're getting left behind already even though they're highly technical yeah. computer guys as well they're getting uh, left behind and in regards to my nan and granddad not a chance I think it's too late for them <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I explained to them how it works and they're oh wow that's amazing lovely but they have no idea basically they're just fair enough yeah I mean, absolutely yeah, yeah. but um, would you say if somebody's because obviously the workforce I don't know what's in the UK like 65 or 67 or 8 like for now <laughs> for now exactly that's why I don't have a job uh, yeah no the usual one mm. so when you're 60 for example and or 55 and you know you don't want to lose your job do you think you're able to learn this and understand it easy I know it's difficult because right. obviously we're not there but when you look at your parents like if you told your your dad like okay can you learn can you imagine learning this um, and to use it for daily work or do you think you know it will just be like okay I cannot head, wrap my head around it I'll give you an example my uncle actually uh, recently works with uh, computers writing scripts and I said to him you know what Try this out and see if it works. He's got onto just chat GPT and he said it saved him hours of time. Like what would normally take him a couple of days, it's taken mm -hmm. minutes to write uh, just like simple scripts. Because it's easy to use. It is very easy to use. It's, the thing is, it's just like talking to another human, right? So you just say, I want you to do this and this and this, make it like this. And it, not, and it understands and it can extract the semantic meaning from your input and sort of give what you want mm -hmm. and then the real power comes from when it gives you the response and you say actually change this and this and you get the conversation going that's how it really sort of gets gets your true meaning behind what you're saying yes yeah and just the last thing and this is something that maybe we're not going to find the answer but i heard one ceo um just mentioning for example like he's right now he's a little worried as an agency to use ai tools because he, he's not entirely sure where's the source mm. how can you actually make sure that for example what you're using is copyright free and if you're a huge agency not you know somebody very small who mm. nobody will discover but like a huge agency and a lot of people are very happy to sue you, you know, to get some money. Absolutely. So how, if you have any idea how to go, go around it, like where, because you don't have the source mm. with AI. So the problem with the current AIs, with companies like OpenAI, they have used very ambiguous data sets, which is a data set is just the, the input data that they've used to train the AI, which mm -hmm. has come from Reddit, which is all the people that invest hours of their time creating Reddit posts, using to train AI without their permission. They actually came out that, uh, I can't remember the name, some pirate book website was used to train OpenAI, which is very, very suspicious. And on the yeah. image side, there's sometimes you generate an image and it will, it will come up with like the Shutterstock watermark on no. the generated image. And it's like, okay, you've clearly used images that you're not supposed to. Exactly. But companies like Adobe, with their new image generation, they've partnered with Shutterstock to use mm -hmm. their images um, copyright free and ethically ethically sourced images. So 
in that case, you know that the images and the artists that created the initial images are sort of benefiting from, yeah, sort of short-term benefiting from the use of this new technology. So it comes down to where you get your data from. And uh, if you're a massive trillion, trillion dollar company like these big ones that are sort of just raping the whole internet of all the data, <laughs> not giving anyone credit, then that's where you get the problems with copyright and things like that. Yeah. Ethically sourced data is going to be a big market in the future. Yeah.